0: You know, how do you make sure you're not overpaying? And how do you really truly value
1: the business versus the real estate? And all these questions that we always always get. Understanding what are those drivers of valuations for you and anybody in the marketplace and how the marketplace is digesting in real time. That's why valuations can change so quickly. And some people are either caught behind, they don't understand it, then they get scared. And it's like, you, you, we really want to understand these 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 drivers. What's going on, everybody? Connor here from the
0: Self Storage Income Podcast. This podcast is being brought to you guys by Live Oak Bank, Tenant Inc., and Janus International. One of the best ways to optimize management and to increase the value of your self-storage facility is through property management. And that means you're going to need really good property management software. That's where Tenant Inc. comes in. These guys have a huge amount of tools at your fingertips that you guys can deploy and put into motion to extract the maximum amount of value and deploy the maximum amount of value at your storage facility. Again, this is Tenant Inc. Be sure to check them out. They're all things property management. It's truly your one-stop shop. Check them out. Link is in the show notes.
1: Welcome back, everybody, to Self Storage
0: Income. And Connor, how you doing, doing awesome dude doing awesome we're uh right now kind of in the holiday season of uh 2022 everything's kind of slowing down a little bit in uh more than one way but dude we're full steam ahead man we got a lot yes, of good plans are. going on and uh just excited excited yeah. as always just as we continue to just start you know steamrolling this locomotive we've been building for a while is really chugging along and uh a lot of
1: opportunity coming down the line that uh we're going to be ready to take advantage of man you know i think This episode in particular probably won't even come out till second week of January,
0: Yeah, maybe, I think. It's gonna
1: be after the first of the year, probably. So,
0: um, no, it's gonna be a great episode for this subject exactly, dude. So, you know, talking all things, valuation, acquisition, you know, evaluating those storage facilities and evaluating those those businesses that you're looking at buying. Uh, I know it's a topic that we see a lot in the YouTube comments. I know it's one that we see a lot at the events. You know, how do you make sure you're not overpaying and how do you really truly value the business versus the real estate and all these questions that we always, always get. So it's going to be a great episode, man.
1: Yeah. And this is a hard one for a lot of people, because I think when you look at valuations, there's this art and the science part to it. And a lot of people want to pull out all of the art. They want to deal with only the knowns. They want it to be a formula. And it's like, there's multiple aspects that attribute um, to the value part that you need. It's like, almost like, you know, you've got to look at it from every single angle and all of those different angles plays into what that value should be. If one's lagging, that can draw down the value, right? But it could be overcompensated by another area. And this is, I think, something that can be very hard uh, for people beginning because they are looking at it very one dimensionally, like on a piece of paper, mm-hmm. there should just be a number, like a math equation, right? It's good. Just like we learned in, <laughs> in school, like a hundred minus 50. Right. And then there should just be an answer. And that answer should be the same for everybody. It should be the only answer. And that's not how this works at all. And I think one of the reasons they don't understand that that's not how this works is while there's multiple things going in that affect value, uh, the individual that's buying it has different strengths. So why one input to value may actually be lower for one person to the other person, the fact that that input is lower actually may be a strength. And so you get this positioning of valuation Uh, that is a lot more dynamic than people realize. And I hear things a lot like, I don't understand how people could pay for it at that price or how are people still buying? And uh, um, a lot of times they're missing a component of the valuation, but they may not be missing it on the deal, but they're missing it on the operator or the buyer. And so it's kind of what we wanted to talk about today is a little more of understanding those inputs, understanding what are those drivers of valuations for you and anybody in the marketplace and how the marketplace is digesting in real time. That's why valuations can change so quickly. The marketplace can turn and run and valuations can change. Why? Because the perceived inputs or the actual inputs have changed. And some people are either caught behind, they don't understand it, then they get scared. And it's like, we really wanna understand these, these, these drivers. It's a big, big effect. And it's not just the line item of what's net revenue, because net revenue can be the exact same as a lot of people saw between the beginning of 22 and the end of 22. An asset with net revenue that didn't change could have swung millions in value. And a lot of people then ask, how is that possible? The fundamental asset, right? The core or what we look at as the intrinsic value, meaning the revenue and the net income from that asset didn't change. But the extrinsic, meaning the marketplace, the buying and the selling of assets, valued it differently than it did six months ago on the same intrinsic value and uh, This can be opportunity, but it can also be scary. And you also need to understand that six months prior, that valuation may have not been a good one. So the adjustment on valuation may have either um, brought it down to a good level or it still may have be overpriced, right? Um, So that's, yeah, that's kind of the foundation of this discussion, so to speak.
0: Yeah, no, it's a it's a really good discussion, too, because you're getting into those uh, and kind of what you're touching on is, you know, those macroeconomic impacts that we saw specifically in the self storage industry, where valuations cap rates had gone down, valuations were through the roof. It was totally insane. And um, now, and again, you still had you had the same revenue, you had the same business, you had the same everything. But yet the valuation was drastically different at a certain point in time. Than it was before, and even you know we're getting back to that point again today, where valuations are not the same yeah. as they as they were, like you're just saying six months ago. Yeah, um,
1: we're not we're not buying at four caps. Yeah, right. It, it, and when you look at you know the discussion that me and you were having yesterday, which was specifically along the lines of um, businesses. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's true all the way around. At the at the at the end of the day, valuations, to me, simply are being driven by three core factors. Uh, you have assets, execution, um, and revenue. Right. And when I say revenue, I don't mean how much or anything. I'm really talking about uh, reliability. Mm-hmm. And so, different type, different revenues and different businesses and assets uh, have a different safety factor. And safety factor means predictability, mm-hmm. just reliability and how how secure, how secure that yeah. really is. So you, you you look at these things when the market's digesting it and when you have different buyers and sellers in the marketplace, and they're all trying to understand the same thing. What am I getting for the price that I'm paying and what will that do tomorrow and 10 years from now, or say three, five years from now, and what does it take to keep it and to grow it really mm. that's that's it right um now there's ancillary things that be oh well people care about depreciation right and people care about this and there's this yes yes there's true there's other inputs but that just changes um in that that has an effect on maybe desirability things like that but that's not the core meaning nobody makes well I sh- I'm not gonna say nobody. You shouldn't make decisions like, well, it's going I'm gonna get great tax benefits, but this is gonna tank and I'm gonna lose all my money. right? Um, but when you look at what you're getting in a business, um, we look at multiples of revenue. And generally speaking, the higher the multiple of revenue uh, is a underlying um, combination of three things, meaning the assets that you're getting are, very um, proprietary to the revenue that's being produced. This may be a ginormous piece of equipment. Um, This may be code that has been specifically built out that executes a process. But that thing is very specific to the revenue and has an effect on it and there's a value of it that if you were to go do it on your own, you would have to either recreate or purchase. So it has this value.
0: Yeah, and this is a really good topic because I think people also think that because, and I love that you tied it to revenue. So just because there's a patent on something or just because maybe there is code or just because there is this IP,
1: whatever that is, if it's not a revenue generating asset,
0: then why pay for it?
1: Yeah, yeah. There's, and that's a big thing that people have a hard time with. They're like, well, this is worth a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, but I'm not gonna use it. And it doesn't affect the business. Right. And you may have bought it, you may have <laughs> liked it, but I don't need to pay for that. And that doesn't correlate with the performance of the asset. Um, So it's just extra, can be just extra expenditures. And so it can be valued very differently as opposed to other assets within the business. They're not all the same. Um, And then when you look at the operation part, uh, one of the biggest things in the operations part is how, um, how transferable operations are. So when you look at revenue that is really predicated on individual driving that revenue. So if you own and operate a business and the business makes money because you are doing the thing and I'm buying the business, and that means then I have to do the thing, then that revenue is predicated that I can execute it the same way that you did and that Mm -hmm. people will still buy from me or I can still do that service. Um, Well, that's a really low multiple form of revenue because... I'm trading my time, I still have to do it. And if I don't, the revenue doesn't come in. So what I'm buying is the ability to perform the thing, not the revenue that comes from the thing as much. Mm-hmm. So I may only pay one or one and a half times because if the if I'm not able to, or you stop by buying the business for me and you stop, the revenue's just gone. So I'm paying for revenue. So when you're buying a business, you're paying for revenue, right? And the future revenue that'll come with it. Then I look at the operations as in, um, how are the operations tied with the business? And principally, uh, how unique are they? Is there something that has an edge that other companies can't do, right? Also in the operations is how much of those operations uh, do they take up of the revenue? And how are they correlated with revenue growth? So when I'm expanding revenue, our variable cost, a really high percentage of the cost, and I have to constantly be adding on, Uh, as opposed to like one of the reasons software gets high multiples is because the expenses associated with revenue do not scale the same. So you can scale revenue, but because it's code-based and the operations are setting up code, creating code, you can leverage that so increases in revenues don't correlate the same as increases in expenses, right? Um, Those expenses tend to be more fixed. Well, that means I have higher chances of take-home revenue or margin, so that I'll pay a higher multiple for it. And those operations are proprietary to the product. Now, when we look at the overall revenue itself, also, once again, uh, operations specifically being transferable and continuable, that makes a big difference. If I'm buying a company where it has five people that I have to have to do the thing and all five of them are gonna quit, I don't wanna buy that revenue because the revenue will disappear. Um, So very, very important piece, how that works within laws. Do they have certain licensing to do the operations that other people can't have? Well, if they're the only one in the state that's awarded a license that can do the only thing and you're buying that license, that is the permit to operate in that manner, I'm gonna pay a lot higher multiple. The revenue I look at the revenue as the source of revenue, meaning is it a single source? Is it a multiple source? How long has the revenue source been in place? How easy is it to grow? Single source revenue, meaning if I bought a business that had 10 clients, but two of the clients made up 90% of the revenue, that is a very risky revenue stream because it's so concentrated that if I lose one of them, I just lost half the business, right? So I want to know, if that's a client, do they have a contract with me for 10 years that they can't leave or they have to pay me all of it upfront? Yes. Okay, well, great. Now I've cured that risk of the revenue losing, right? But if they're like, no, this is month to month and they can leave at any time, holy cow, that's really scary because that revenue could evaporate overnight. Um, so I'm looking at the source of revenue we're looking at how much, obviously, compared to expenses, net profit, right? Um, and how consistent that revenue is, mm-hmm. how easy that revenue is to grow. And so you talked
0: about the historical as well. Yes. And you know, what that growth rate has been what, in our exactly. conversation. Exactly, that's day. correct. Yeah. That's a big
1: deal, a good point. So we were talking about the history of that revenue, meaning that if the revenue's never changed, well, then I shouldn't expect the next three years for it to change. Once again, software companies, high multiples. Why? Because the revenue is growing so fast. Meaning that if I bought it a year later, that revenue could double. Well, then I'm gonna pay a higher multiple of the revenue because of the revenue growth. It's predicated on, um, let's say, you have a subscription-based that is coming off software that is very automated with high margins. So that means then when you double that revenue, your margin is exploding. Um, so you're becoming more profitable. So people are expected a high multiple, why? Because if not, I'm just gonna wait until the revenue does double in a year, and then it's worth two, three times more than it was, so I'm gonna get it anyways, I'm just not gonna sell it. You Mm -hmm. gotta get them to sell it to you. Versus something where the revenue doesn't grow um, astronomical, it's very, very steady, right? Uh, Then you're looking at it going, okay, well, in three years, I should expect about the same revenue no matter what business or industry you're in, you're gonna want a competitive advantage
0: over your competition, right? You're gonna want that ability to outperform and outmaneuver and outvalue that competition. Janice International provides you the tools to be able to do that, whether that's their R3 program to help increase the look and feel of your storage facility through new doors or siding or roofing or gating or whatever that is, or a technology solution like their no-key solution that allows people to rent units, to access units, to do all of this without ever going in the office. Be sure to check out Janice International. Link is in the show notes. Obviously, one of the biggest pieces of the puzzle when investing in self-storage is funding and financing. Where are you getting your money from? Honestly, I hope you guys are getting it from Live Oak Bank. The people over there are absolutely incredible. They have an amazing team who knows and understands the underwriting of self-storage, the valuation of self-storage. They can work and coincide with you and your team in evaluating a deal and financing a deal, securing that financing, and actually closing on an amazing deal and an amazing self-storage investment
1: opportunity. Be sure to check them out. Again, Live Oak Bank. The other side to that, once again, is the security of revenue. This is why real estate trades at really high times. So we have cap rates. It's a percentage of return on the asset. We can utilize leverage due to the Um, The overall infrastructure, meaning the asset itself, which is predicated to produce the income in that location. It's almost like a mini monopoly. Nobody else can take away your spot. Nobody else can take you own that real estate and that usage in that spot. And the revenue that is produced lots of times is very secure and the expenses are fixed relative to it. So people will pay high amounts because you pay high amounts for growth and safety, security, of revenue. You tie those two things together, high growing, high security, that's a company that's worth a lot of money, right? High growth, high security, Google. Who's gonna beat Google? Nobody. Mm -hmm. Who has incredibly fast growing revenue, everything, right? So that's why you look at it because they have a monopoly that doesn't seem to be taken down and their growth is exponential, it seems like, right? So in real estate, the growth may not be exponential, but the revenue is really sound. Now, when you're looking at storage facilities, you're looking at all three of these things. I'm looking at how much I'm willing to pay. So the difference between me paying a seven cap or a four cap or an eight cap and a four cap for something, which is essentially twice as much, Um, I'm gonna look at the asset. Number one, remember the asset itself. So what am I buying? Does it need work to it? So do I gotta pour a ton of money into the assets to simply produce the thing that it's supposed to produce? If I have to do that, I'm paying less because I'm paying for the revenue. But in order to get the revenue, I gotta put more money into it. Well, that's coming out of what I'm gonna pay you. The second thing is the operations. Now, this is something that out of those three, we tend to excel at and we're really good at. We have built in proprietary systems, processes, technology that we can um, optimize those assets and increase that revenue through our operations format. So if I'm looking at the operations and the revenue is really low, but through operations, I can therefore increase that revenue very, very safely. Well, I may pay for a very poorly operated asset with low revenue at a four cap where an excellent operated asset with high revenue I may not wanna pay four cap, I may only pay an eight cap. Now, they probably would never sell to me as an eight cap, but the reason being is I have nowhere to go with it. So, and, and if I have a great asset, so let's say it's brand new, and then I have great operations in it, it's already being managed by extra space, and it's the top of the market in revenue. When I look at that, I see something where the revenue is fairly tapped out. There's no real upside. There's nowhere to go. So the only advantage that I have on this asset is if I buy it for less to have that margin and that great return that I want. Other people will pay incredibly low cap rates for that asset. Why? Because the revenue is secure. That's why they want it. I have to put nothing into it. It's already being operated professionally and it's spitting that out, right? And look say it's in an area where there's no other storage, right? This is why California, good assets, good operations, secure revenue, get low cap rates because it's considered so safe. Mm -hmm. So you can change valuations, right, through growth and through securitization. You can, any valuation, it doesn't matter how you look at it, you grow the assets value by increasing revenue, therefore increasing the net income or securing that revenue, making it so it can't leave. So when I buy it, I can pay a lot because I know it'll pay it off. Um, For us, we don't want the uh, security of revenues important, but we make our money through and we get our returns through the ability to improve it through operations. So that's our thing that we do uh, with that and focus on that middle one. Therefore, for me, us, it's counterintuitive, whereas a big, nice, secure asset, I actually look at it as, as more downside just from the standpoint, I'm like, you're already the top of the market, right? Like you're, f- for us taking it over, there's nothing we can do to bring it up. And if the market goes down, it's the only one, so we're not gonna pay as much for it. Now, a lot of people don't understand that. They go, why did you pay for that? You know, it's different, that's why. But you see too how that input is very much driven off of us. Mm-hmm. I was gonna say, I mean, really, everything you're talking about in a nutshell
0: here is really, and this is the hard part about valuations and multiples, is, is figuring out what that value is to you as the buyer like that is that's in a
1: nutshell exactly what you're talking about exactly other people pay a lot more a lot less Mm -hmm. uh the problem that i think a lot of people have is once again when you're looking at this i'm not sure how to evaluate the assets themselves like how much work is there really needed and how sensitive to the asset is it that's why when you look at small facilities and you buy it and let's say you paid a million dollars for the storage facility you take it over only to find out you need $300,000 of work on that asset because it had leaky roofs or there was a problem that you didn't diagnose, That's that could be catastrophic to you because now you essentially overpaid by 30%, right? Uh, to get only the same revenue. Your revenue didn't change, right? So that's just to keep it stabilized. Now, that's the first thing that people can struggle with. Um, uh, Now the second side is the end result of the revenue can change or net net income can change from the gross revenue on two functionalities, uh, your cost of your money and also your cost of operations. So some people may be able to get really cheap money. So when you look at REITs, when you look at a lot of the big boys, they get really low uh, or they get really cheap money because they're selling bonds and they may get their capital at half the price. That means they can go out and buy assets that the same asset that you would buy, you're getting a fraction of the net income. So it's immediately worth tremendously more to them than it is to you. Uh, Other people may look at an asset, the operations are so heavy, they don't have any specific skill set in them that taking it over may present actually way more downside to them and then another individual, it's actually an upside. They can see what's missed, or as we call it, our money on the table. Uh, when you're looking at these things, these are all the inputs to just three core, core categories that you gotta look at. Uh, the outside, or the one other thing is the revenue, the third one we talk talk about and how secure it is. That is principally driven by market, and a lot of people have struggle um, underwriting and valuing how secure that revenue is predicated on a supply-demand function within the market. Is there enough? Is there too much? Is that gonna change over the next six months to a year? They can't, that's the risk that they're taking because it can change due to market conditions and they need to know, can this market withstand any change? Will the demand go up? Will it go down? And that's gonna change how secure the revenue that is being produced from the asset is. So lots of factors. Once again, when we're looking at valuing these things, And when we're looking at assets, we try to knock out the first ones immediately. We have our buy box, which is predicated on our inputs, which we're good at. We look at those as the pro, the downsides. We're heavily looking at the things we can't control, i.e., the market, the security of that revenue within that market, um, and capital expenditures. And we're trying to quickly get the ones out that we say we don't want due to the factors that are not in our control uh, uh, or not controllable. And then the factors that are, we're looking at the valuation, meaning what price, what price are we going to willing to pay for all these, find the ones that we can't even get near, they'll sell the traded other ones or the owner won't sell it, get rid of those. And it really boils down to those handful ones that are correct for us, that are right for us and our team to get what we need out of them or that return. And the better that you are at identifying that, the quicker you can move, the quicker that you can move, the more assets you can buy and the more competitive you can be.
0: Mm-hmm. No, all well said, man. All really good points. And I think that it really helps paint a picture as to really how to value these businesses and these assets of self storage and even other ones. I mean, yeah. you know, our conversation the other day was didn't have anything to do with storage. It was just a another business, no real estate included, no nothing. Um, and so it's always really good to dive into exactly how to value these businesses when we're looking at it, evaluate the revenue, evaluate, you know, what is our business plan and that value add potential and or, you know, if it's a stabilized asset or business, um, are we just purchasing it for that reason? Um, and I'm, I'm really glad you touched on um, on the cap rates, because I know when I first started getting into all of this, that was one of the, the conundrums in my brain that I had to figure out was the I couldn't understand why lower cap rates meant higher prices. Yeah. And it just like you're talking about goes back to that stability aspect and that
1: security of yes. revenue. Um, yes. so I'm really glad you touched on that but and we no can idea. see how market forces can change that. Right? Right. So 6 months ago when we talk about and I've mentioned this, I think I made a YouTube video on this. I know I I put one on the Instagram, my Instagram but this, this is exactly why I'm obsessed with intrinsic versus extrinsic value. Because extrinsic value can change the asset's value, and it has nothing to do with us. It has nothing to do with the <laughs> asset at all producing revenue. All it is is more buyers than there are sellers. So the extrinsic value is simply the price, and that can change. Well, that is irrelevant to me, because that doesn't have anything to do with the money that I'm returning. Just because yeah. more people want to buy it doesn't mean that the things that matter in the asset uh, once again, the assets, the fun, the quality of it, meaning the tangibles, the operations, the revenue, none of that's changed. So uh, cap rates going down because of market pressures generally is bad for us just because we want to, you, you have a leveling effect of pricing, even though you don't have a leveling effect of asset quality and safety. And that is scary because now all of a sudden everything is a five cap, whether mm-hmm. it's actually worth that or not. Um, what we've seen now is the assets are getting hit extrinsically, meaning because of the cost of capital, people can pay less, there's less buyers, they can afford less, although that intrinsic value that we've been talking about this whole time hasn't changed. And some of these assets, well, in some cases it has, but in a lot of the cases, it either hasn't changed or it definitely hasn't changed with the corresponding price change. Mm -hmm. And um, we find a lot of opportunity in that
0: yeah no i love it all great points dude all great points and it, it kind of touches on that uh that's saying that you've got as far as you know buying you know buying on a cap rate but not paying for it kind yeah of deal yeah you know yeah like you've talked about before um which again you're talking about that extrinsic versus intrinsic value you know what's the value to you uh being the intrinsic yes value of that asset
1: and so. it, it's you can I think see why too why we talked about it first this is an art and a science Mm -hmm. we have ways of measuring demand we have ways of analyzing revenue profitability we have systems in place to actually look at the assets we have systems in place to analyze operations and effectiveness but when it comes to the pricing what the seller wants how many buyers and sellers are in the market what we can do with it This is very much a molding these two things together to finding this strike price. And a lot of that is not measurable. Meaning, okay, we know what we can do, but we don't have an exact thing. I input X part of operations, we know there's a range of effect, but we don't have an exact strike. So we look at our models and our valuations as in here is the range, in which we know most likely we're going to be playing in. We have a high and a low, and we need to price upon probability of achievement. The higher the probability, the higher the price. The lower the probability, the lower the price is.
0: Mm-hmm. No, it's a solid point there too. Where you know you're you're not going to have all the knowns. You're not going to have every little bit of and piece of information. Um, there are always going to be those unknowns and those risks. Um, But you just, again, have to find that range. So solid point there. Um, If you guys are looking at businesses, you're looking at self-storage, let us know. Comment down below on the YouTube video or even, you know, leave us a comment on the podcast, whatever that is. Uh, Let us know what you guys are seeing, what kind of questions you guys have. Um, Get it, AJ, on social media. Join our
1: Facebook group. We now have a self-storage income group community, so you guys can go jump. Jump on there. Links down in the bio. Join everybody else as they're out buying, selling, seeing what everybody's thinking and see what everybody's seeing out in the marketplace. Uh, jump in, be part of the discussion, everybody. Awesome, awesome. Thanks so much, everybody. We'll catch you Thanks. next time.